We are also celebrating today our, our veterans as well. Uh, this coming week is veterans, uh, gonna be Veterans Day. And uh, man, we can't even, words can't even express the appreciation that we have for our veterans and uh, the freedom that they've allotted to us to live in a country like this in Canada. I, I thank Jesus every, every day that I live in this country and for the sacrifice that was made for us to live in a country just like this. Amen? Amen. All right, so I'm going to get right into the Word this morning. Uh, so this week, I, I felt to continue on uh, the names uh, of God that we find in the Bible. And uh, I don't, do you remember, you, we used to have a banner over, over here on this wall that had a couple of names, a couple, quite a few of the names of God. Do you remember that on the side? Does anyone remember what some of the names were that were on that? Shout them out. Shout out some of God's names that you know, even off the top of your head. Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Jireh, Tekinu, yes. I don't know that one. I have to study that one. Which, the Morning Star, Jehovah Nisi, Reigns of Victory, Amen. Emmanuel, that's right. Yes, there's a lot of names of the Bi- of of God in the Bible, and I have to say that when I was when I was you know being led to study these names, I was actually drawn to the ones uh, like the one that. Sandra just said, <laughs> but the ones that are not as well known, the ones that you don't see too often. And it's because I think that knowing the not so popular names of God uh, really shows that you're interested in every aspect of who he is, right? If you're interested in the names of God, you're interested in knowing who he is as a person. And the last time I preached, I covered uh, Elohim Shesedi, which means the God of my mercy, where mercy follows us, where mercy precedes us. And uh, throughout our, it, you know, it follows us throughout our lives. And absolutely nothing can escape his mercy, which is fabulous, which is wonderful, incredible aspect of God. And this morning, I want to talk about another name given. And uh, once again, a name that was only mentioned once in the Old Testament. And it's from the book of Ezekiel. And of course, again, it gives us a clue of how we can understand God because it reveals one of his unique attributes. You know, and depending on who you ask, again, there's like hundreds of names of God in the Bible. There's actually hundreds of them. And uh, this morning I want to focus on the name of God given to us. Uh, actually, it's in the conclusion of Ezekiel. And it says it's Jehovah Shammah. Jehovah Shammah, when it means that the Lord is there. The Lord is there. So why is it important to know the name of God? Well, if you're interested in knowing him, and I, I mean really knowing him, like having a personal relationship with God, uh, you know, you should probably get to know how he's known, Right? I am someone that is really terrible with names. You'll have to forgive me. I recognize a face, no problem. Uh, but I always find myself in a brain fog. I know maybe some of you are the same too. And I know it's not just because I'm getting older either because it's been this way my whole life. But uh, quite often I forget people's names. And actually uh, when I was at, at work, when I was working and we'd have to go to a work function, I had to deal with Holly that if someone approached us and started talking to us and I didn't introduce Holly to her then, I'd say, I'm Holly, just go up and say, hi, my name is Holly. And then, I'll, then, we, then they'll introduce themselves and make it easier so I don't have to say, sorry, I don't remember your name. <laughs> right? Unfortunately, I, I, I have the tendency to forget days. But faces, I'm great. Anyway, once again, this verse in Ezekiel is the only place where Jehovah Shammah is named. And in fact, it is the last unique name given to God in the Old Testament. Isn't that interesting? And it's a sign of things to come, actually. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Speaking of Jesus, the Lord is there. Have you ever come across a person whose name fits them so perfectly? Hey, I'm a huge fan of, do you remember the Jamaican uh, 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 runner named Usain Bolt? Usain Bolt? He's still the fastest man in the world. 
And what a great name. It perfectly suits him, doesn't it? What I love about Usain Bolt, too, is that uh, he was so fast. And they basically, I remember on the first interview, the first Olympics he was at, they're like, well, what, what's your secret? What did you eat before running? And he said something like, I had uh, 10 chicken McNuggets from McDonald's. <laughs> so just a lovely guy. He's a fantastic guy. And uh, isn't Bolt, though, the perfect name for him? Isn't it? It just seems to fit his characteristics and ability, ability so perfectly. Your name is a marker when you think about it. Your name is actually a marker. Sometimes it ironically kind of reflects your talent or job like Hussein Bolt. And other times it, it connects you, your identity to a family, who you are and whose you are, right? So if I think of my name, Christensen, for example, somewhere down the line in Denmark, uh, there was someone that was born that was the son of a Christian. So it was Christensen. Ah, that fits me pretty good. I'm happy with that. That's a great name to have. And Holly, when she married me, she, she took on that name as well, too. So it's a marker of who you are and where you belong. Either way, your name is significant, and you're going to carry it with you for your lifetime, unless you change it, of course, but don't do that. But uh, when we named our children, actually, another thing, too, about names, too, when we named our children, we actually took the advice. So do you remember Fezzi Mancho, who was here in our assembly? She told us something that, that uh, Africans do. They actually say that the, the, the name that you give your child is the first declaration that you put over your children. That's beautiful. And we did that for our children as well, too. We made sure that the name that they were given uh, reflected a declaration that we were going to put over them. Sophia means wisdom. Karis means love. Uh, uh, Serena means serene, which is, she's still growing into her name. Uh, <laughs> 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 and uh, Elise uh, is, no, Vivienne's life, her second name, but Elise meant promise to God. Elise meant promise to God. So we, we made sure that we made this declaration over our children. That was the first thing that we did. When it comes to God, there aren't actually, though, enough names to describe the wonder of who he is, right? There's not enough names to describe his wonder. God is known by many names in Scripture, and each one of those names reveals a different aspect of his eternal character and nature. And each one of those names fits him perfectly. Isn't that wonderful? It fits him perfectly. It gives us an idea of, of who he is. So Jehovah Shammah is in Ezekiel 48 and 35. And it's actually the conclusion, the last verse of the book, and it concludes with this. And the name of the city from that time on will be the Lord is there, Jehovah Shammah. Obviously, when we study the Word of God, it's important to understand the context of where this is written, right? And when the, of the scripture that we're reading. And the brief context is this. Ezekiel is actually prophesying about Jerusalem in the future where God's presence will never leave. He's talking about the revival and restoration of Jerusalem. And proclaims that this city will be renamed Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. It's a message of hope. It's a message of redemption. It's a message of promise. I love that. You know what? Because I feel like I, I, I want to be that promise as well. I want that promise to come on this city as well too. That the Lord is there. Amen? Now Ezekiel the prophet actually saw the fall of Jerusalem. And he's actually one of the ones that was actually taken captive to Babylon. And the Babylonians are the ones that were responsible for destroying the city and also destroying the temple, right? So for good reason, the Israelites believed that their situation was hopeless and that the, the destruction of their city was permanent. God's glory, you know, the, in his presence had actually left them, both physically, spiritually. It seemed, like, it seemed like God's presence was gone and there was no way back. Think what that meant to the Israelites. Because of their disobedience, Jerusalem had been destroyed and it was not just their home, but where God actually dwelt with them. The temple was where the 
physical presence of God came down to them and dwelt among them. And that was now gone, destroyed. God's presence left. So Ezekiel's message to the new Jerusalem and the new temple actually was more, uh, it was more than just the restoration of the city. It was, more, it was also the restoration of a relationship with God. It's where the Lord would be. And, you know, big picture revealed God's persistent and abiding love to them despite their disobedience. Okay, so the Lord had not abandoned them. And he's still with them in their future and he'll redeem what they lost his presence would again be with him. That's why this, this message from Ezekiel was so important to them because it's like, no, he's not God. He's, he's coming back. Lord, he's going to be there. I don't know about you, but I, I, I know God is here with me. Do you know that as well? I, in the last year, I know that God is here. I've seen his presence over this church, you know, this year, but also for, for decades, I've seen God's presence here. And, uh, you know, the church... You know, no matter what I face, you know, in, you know, no matter what we face in the in this last bit of this crazy year, I still need to be reminded that God is also there and looking forward. You know, I don't need to be afraid because He is there. No matter what comes at us, God is there. He's there for us. He's there in the mess that I made yesterday. He's there in the mess that I made today. He's there in the mess I'm going to make tomorrow. I know His mercy is there, and He's already restoring it for me in the future. He's already there. His mercy is already there. He is there for His glory. And he won't abandon me, but it's already ahead of me and prepared for any outcome. Whatever is coming, the Lord is there. Right? A lot of people are panicked right now, especially in the U.S. There's a whole half of a country that's a little bit panicked right now. But guess what? The Lord is there. The Lord is there. Amen. Don't interpret the, the, the word there, though, as being far away. God never wants to be, you know, the, the God that's, that's, that's far far away. Oops. That's far away. God never wants to be God over there. He's not distant. He's not removed. He's not withdrawn. God is there. His per- he wants a, he's a personal, intimate, and was a personal, intimate relationship with us. He's not far away. And it always comes down to this. God really wants to have an authentic relationship with each and every one of us. He wants us to know his presence, not for a moment, but actually for eternity. That's what he wants. He wants a relationship with us for eternity. And as followers of Jesus, we can be confident in the reality that Jehovah Shammah is always there, everywhere, right with us. How do I know that? It's also in Psalms 46 and 1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present, ever-present help in trouble. God is there. So what does Jehovah Shammah mean to you and me individually here in 2020? It actually means inescapable presence. It means the presence of God, that God's mercy surrounds us and can be expressed through us. God has promised his presence actually to us no matter what happens. Yes, we experience good and bad things in life. And, and, you know, most of us spend a good amount of time worrying about the stuff that we can't control. Right? But even though through it all, Jehovah Shammah is there with us. You know, and if you don't, you know, and when it comes down to it, I'm, I'm speaking about uh, the times that we're living in now. You know, if you don't like the, who the new president is, don't worry, Jehovah Shammah is there. If you like who the new president is, don't worry, Jehovah Shammah is there as well, too. He is in control. There's a lot of stuff we can't control. We, yes, we live in, the, in the, well, I'm not, the, the U.S. also lives in a democratic country, right? We can put our votes in. We can decide, give, make our, our vote to who should be in power. But ultimately, God's the one that's in control. He's the one that's always in control. We cannot be in our future now, but God can. We really cannot control much in our lives, but he does. He is there. Jehovah Shammah will walk with you, no matter what, into whatever today and tomorrow is going to bring. 
And because of his great love, you can, you can trust that he will never, ever leave you or forsake you. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. You know what I love? I love that I can actually sit back and I can think about, you know, if I think about my past, I can see that the Lord was there in absolutely everything that I've gone through. Everything. Absolutely every experience that I have had, good and bad, I know that God has been there. So, it's only reason to believe that God will be there in the future for me as well and in the current situation that I'm living in right now. And whatever you do, you know, if you do it with, with prayer and faith, Jehovah Shammah, Lord is there, that's going to be written all over your life. Jehovah Shammah can be written on you and your life because he is there with you. Amen? Amen. So if we go back actually a few chapters in Ezekiel 10 and 18, Ezekiel gave a warning about God not being there. And it's a bit... It's a, it's a prophecy, so it's a little bit, uh, you know, it takes some interpretation. I'm going to read it to you. Then the glory of the Lord departed from over the threshold of the temple and stopped above the cherubim. While I watched the cherubim spread their wings and rose from the ground, and as they went, the wheels went with them. They stopped at the entrance to the gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the God of Israel was above them. So from the edge of the temple, Ezekiel sees the glory of God moving away to the east gate, which is a scary thought when you think about it, because basically what he was seeing in the prophecy was, was the glory of God leaving the temple and heading out the east gate. I don't ever want to be in a place where I watch the glory of God leave. Do you? <laughs> Absolutely not. This would have been an, actually a, a devastating vision for Ezekiel to see because God was essentially writing Ichabod. Ichabod, meaning there is no glory. The glory of the Lord has departed over Judah. He was leaving, judgment was coming, and it was clear at this stage you know, it wasn't clear if he would ever return at this point. It was just basically, he's out. The glory of God is gone. <laughs> Can I be blunt for a second? Hey, I've watched specifically in this last week people of faith, uh, you know, using God to elevate their own agendas. Even in this last week, you know, whether it be political or even to defend some of the mistakes that they've made in their lives, you know, I, I've seen them, you know, use God in that situation to try and build themselves back up and say that, you know, just give it these excuses or, or just basically, again, just trying to push their own agendas. And you know what? I, I tend to see Ichabod written all over that. And it's a scary thought when you think about it, right? The glory is not there. I'm not trying to be judgmental. Please don't take me that way. But, you know, God does not conform to my image, he doesn't conform to my thoughts. He doesn't conform to my political ideology. He doesn't conform to my wishes. He doesn't conform to my will. I conform to him. That's the way the relationship works. Amen? Amen. So where does the glory of God dwell? The glory of God, is not, it's not in politics. It's not in raising people up to celebrity status. It's not, you know, in someone's charisma. So where does his holy presence reside in this unholy world? Where does it reside? I'm going to tell you something so simple, but it's, it's actually really profound that God showed me. There's a special place where God dwells here on earth. And you know where that is? It's here in the church. It's here in his temple. This is where the glory of God dwells. And he only has one church. It's chosen by eternal election, redeemed by the blood, called out by the Holy Ghost. That's able to give us a new life. Amen. The church is the dwelling place of God. Because God is in this church, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it, no matter what. God is there. God is there. And even now, whenever we lift up holy hands and worship him, you know, this is the special glory that we actually all get to experience. We don't go to church for any other reason other than that Jehovah Shammah, the Lord, is there. 
when I get up in the morning on Sunday mornings, I'm not going there thinking, oh, I can't, you know, I can't wait to preach this word. I've, I've worked so hard on it. You know, no, I go because I want to experience the presence of God. That is the only reason. That is my only motivation to come here is because I want to experience the presence of God. Jehovah Shammah. Amen. It's not what it can give us, but what we can give God for going after Jesus. For going after Jesus just for the sake of Jesus. That's it. That's the only motivation. Amen? Amen. Here's something that uh, Holly actually pointed out to me from a book that she's reading. And I, I, I quickly screenshot it on my phone because it, it resonated with me so much. Okay, so for a second, let's, let's skip to the New Testament after Jesus has been crucified. And we find Thomas who, you know, we kind of have mixed feelings about Thomas, don't we, as an, as an apostle. This is a mixed feeling about him because, yeah, hey, he's doubting, he's doubting Thomas. He lacked the faith that some of the other apostles had, right? And then we have some mixed feelings about him. But, uh, you know, he doesn't actually even believe in the resurrection. He didn't believe that Jesus was re- resurrected until he saw Jesus and until he actually touched the wounds in his hands. That's the only point where he believed, Right? But let's give Thomas some mercy, okay? Because, yes, he doubts. But here's the one thing that he never did. He actually never left his community of apostles. He never left his community of believers that he belonged to. He was faithful to his community of apostles. Why? Because he actually knew that the Lord was there too. He knew that the Lord was there as well. Yes, he doubts, but he never left his community. He was faithful to the community of apostles. When we find ourselves in times of unbelief, you know, your church, your community can walk alongside of you. It can. It will show you things that you're not able to see. It's going to give you solutions you didn't think of. It's going to tell you things that you can't hear anywhere else. And we'll, you know, we'll let you see that the the Lord is, in fact, there in your situation. Here's a cool fact. You know that Thomas actually comes from uh, the Aramaic word meaning teoma. You know what that means? Twin twin. In the Greek, it's Didymus. Didymus, twin. That's interesting, isn't it? You know what's uh, interesting about that, though, too, is that all of us are actually two people as well, too. There's a believing person, and there's also a person that, that has doubts. We're a doubting person, and we're a believing person. There, we are twins that battle within us continually, right? And let me tell you something. Now more than ever, you, me, all of us, in fact, the world needs a church, it needs a church. It needs the support of a community from preventing the doubting person to become the dominant twin in the relationship, right? And destroying our belief. You cannot do Christianity on your own. You just can't do it on your own. You're not able to. It's either Shama or Ichabod. It's either Shama or Ichabod. And you know what the choice is ours. It always has been ours. Is it either Shama in your life? Is, is Jehovah Shama either written over your life or is it Ichabod? And that's the choice that we make every day. The presence of God is actually the best privilege of the church. It is the number one privilege of the church, the glory of the church. It doesn't rest in, you know, the best worship. It doesn't rest in the number of attendees that are here. It doesn't rest in the quality of the preacher. Okay? It doesn't rest in the programs that we offer. It only rests in the fact that the Lord is there. That is it. That is absolutely it. And if he's not there, then you know what? Let's just pack up our bags because what's the point? The God's glory has to be there because it's Jehovah Shammah or nothing. And reading Ezekiel, we need to proclaim, O Lord our God, 
abide with us because only, our only hope actually just relies in you. You are our only hope. And uh, this is the only place where God's glory can be found. Amen? It's about, again, it's about relationship. We have our vertical relationship one-to-one with God, but we also have our horizontal relationship with each other. And guess what surrounds all of that? The glory of God, Jehovah Shammah. Amen? Amen. Will you stand with me for a second? I just wanted this morning, I want to invite the glory of God to rest among us. I don't know about you, but that is my number one chief desire, is that the glory of God is here. Because if we don't have that, we don't have anything. This has to be what sets us apart. Amen? I don't want to live in Babylon. I want to live in the new Jerusalem where the Lord is there. Amen. Lord, Lord, we thank you today that you are all-powerful, all-knowing, always perfectly good. Thank you for your daily mercies to us as we struggle through you know, such a challenging time as this. Father, we confess that we do not seek your presence as we should. We confess that we have settled quite often for lesser things when we know that your desire is to dwell here amongst your people. Lord, revive our love, our passion, our desire for you, Lord. Draw us close. Let us know that your presence is here in our lives and in, in your church community and help us to share your love with each other here. We thank you for the community of believers that you've surrounded us with. May it always be said of this church that the Lord is there. Jehovah Shammah, we put our hope in your absolute unfailing love. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Let's agree this week that we want to have the name Jehovah Shammah written on every aspect of our lives. Amen. And pray that it comes here that we have a, a, a major experience with Jehovah Shammah every time we come through the doors of Elam. Amen? Amen. God bless you all.